Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. Welcome to the GR on a Monday. Myself and Conan are here as usual and it's Guidor. Um, Conan. Eamon McGee said the Ulster Club Football Championship final is like the World Cup. It's something that they just watch, but they're never going to win. So that was a nice little quote. That's a very nice quote. They've been watching since 1975 and watching the O'Donegal team go up the steps and lift the, the cup. So massive deal. Like I remember at the start when they were playing Cargan and I was back in... I backed him, but it was like, oh, Donegal uh, teams would be like you well. know to back a, back a loser. <laughs> yes, there's all of us who back Scott Stein yeah. there on Thursday. I had some fellow annoying me last night on Twitter saying, oh, you got the prediction wrong. It was a draw. It wasn't the worst <laughs> prediction. In the, like, I mean, that's not a situation. But this was a bizarre game because, like, I mean, we have Guidor winning it in normal time. Everybody thinks they've won it. I thought they'd won it. And, like, I mean, there's nobody watched that in real time and didn't think that Guidor were screwed over, yeah. right? And it was only the replay showed that the referee made exactly the right call. Yeah. It was bizarre. McFadden Farry just actually just lazily threw the ball to no need at all no need for that he <laughs> didn't even make it look like he was trying to hand pass it it was a throw so after the replays it was like what an unbelievably brave call from a referee mm. at that stage of a game to pull back the play for a hand pass that, and to be honest a lot of that kind of stuff sometimes gets kind of brushed over that's like I was actually thinking that that wouldn't even probably get picked up in the analysis because it was like a five metre pass he sort of threw it like he Less would only do five, a little yeah. tap of a hand pass anyway Like so even looking back if the ref didn't give that free nobody I don't think would be like and what about the throw because it didn't really affect anything he could have just hand passed it as easily as he could have thrown it that's why you know sometimes when you're getting like your arm pulled and you sort of throw it through you try to do yeah. a, a one handed pass like then you do it but we usually get pulled up for that one but like I mean Guidor had lost their minds at that stage then they all attacking the referee Neil McGee wanted Adam their manager wanted Adam only for Kevin Cassidy doing bodyguard uh, yeah. like I mean the referee could have been in big trouble there he hugged the referee that was very clever very though. clever yeah. of Cassidy like I mean that's the old head like coming in to not 
turned the referee against you for extra time yeah. which they didn't do and just to calm things down because another quote from Emma McGee was they were killing each other after full time imagine thinking you had that one because they didn't see any replays yeah. imagine how angry you would be after winning like let's be honest I it was very exciting end to the game just ex- absorbing game rather than a brilliant game like yeah. it wasn't a brilliant game there was a lot of boring passages of play in it but like that was the conditions and that was just the way it was yeah and like to be honest they probably thought this was their big chance well obviously because there was a couple of seconds to go but they had been sort of behind or level from the 17th minute or something like that so the whole time it was Scottstown in the ascendancy Guido got level sometimes but then Scottstown went up and got ahead again with four minutes to go Scottstown were ahead by two points so Guido probably we felt like that was their chance just to go and snatch it you know when they were sort of trailing the whole game and and then just for that to happen like yeah I thought it was very it was great game management from, from Cassidy because referees don't often need an excuse to go against the team now in fairness I think Noel Mooney from Cavan had a good game overall but I don't know if he would have turned but like it's very easy if you don't like somebody you don't like a team they're on your back just to go against them See did he have a great game though like I mean he got a lot of things right but like the Kevin Hughes thing yeah. Kieran Hughes thing was incredibly bad decision like that is a second yellow is a red Yeah Got that wrong and I was told there was another um Scottstown player their centre back got a, a second yellow in extra time too and he didn't get the line now but Kieran Hughes one I specifically remember Kieran Hughes knew he was in trouble just yeah. kept the head down couldn't believe it Eamon McGee then gets sent off on a second yellow at the end so the only explanation is the referee did not remember booking Kieran Hughes which in fairness who was in nearly the first or second minute when he first got the first yellow like, yeah, yeah it's the first and to be honest it was a very soft first yellow you think so? Ah, uh, McFadden Farry grabbed onto his arm and threw himself yeah. around. That was the greatest. Uh, that was a setup of the highest order. Now, look, that's gamesmanship, and that's probably you'll say part of the game. But at the same time, that wasn't a. He just. He, you. I've said this a hundred times. You can't actually ever tackle up high near the ball anymore because lads are taking that as a clo- like WWE style clothesline, and you and you could. You're definitely getting a yellow. You can't. You absolutely can't put your hand over someone's shoulder. Yeah. That's completely gone now because they're just accentuating it. And I don't know. Is it the start of a little bit of? kind of diving coming into the game I don't know but players should probably know themselves they can't put their hand in there anymore yeah in real time I'm watching that going oh Jesus because like, it looks like he has completely caught him around the neck did you see McFadden Farry actually grab his arm and use it as a sling hook to make it even uh, look more right. <laughs> he grabbed Hughes's arm like I mean this was incredible stuff and McFadden Farry's well into that kind of those dark arts <laughs> yeah. you're looking out for that sort of stuff Willie I'm not yeah no but in fairness I know look uh, do you know what Tomas Corrigan was on the podcast and he summed it up well he said that these kind of games um, they're very hard to watch the first half was very hard to watch but it was sheeting in rain now I pulled Joe Brawley up on Twitter last night he was saying it was a superb game it wasn't a superb game (laughs) it's the type of game that Joe made a career out of crying about uh, on the Sunday game like it was exactly like that sideways passing backwards outside a shield and in fairness both teams are better than that but with the conditions like you're you're in trouble bringing it into contact so they avoided mm-hmm. it at all costs but it wasn't great to watch second half then the rain stopped and a real bit of kind of spark came into it then didn't it and yeah. it just kind of livened up and the crowd were able to get into it but like I mean it wasn't exactly an unbelievable an unbelievable game but that's it so what Tomas Corrigan was saying all these games are like that but because of those kind of tactics it gets close near the end and suddenly then it's a contest yeah. so naturally you're going to enjoy the last 10-15 minutes because who doesn't enjoy a close game yeah. do you know what I mean it, just a natural competitive streak in anyone even if it's go. bad like, yeah, and then extra time there's yeah. drama 
extra time equals drama and then it's easy to have to go what a classic it was absolutely yeah. not a classic but it was a brilliant it was enjoyable uh, enjoyable enough to watch yeah. without, without being in any way good quality wise you're hitting the nail on the head like that is the best thing about the Ulster Intercounty Championship like I'd be the first to tell you that some of the games aren't that good but you know it's going to be in the balance in the last 5-10 minutes so it's like oh here we go like you know it's all going to kick off now and you will sit through some shit just to watch it now I think in this game there was a lot of a lot of turnovers a lot of good tackling the fence was good like I know there's packed fences sometimes and as you said going back and forward but some great turnovers and it's sort of at some stages now it wasn't like a hurling game but the way the ball got turned over and the players were cheering every turnover and every tackle it, it sort of reminded you a bit of that yeah. a lot slower the pitch was terrible like I mean Scottstown will feel very aggrieved because the ball was kicked over to their centre half back um, his name is Mor- Morgan and it hit the wet patch <laughs> it was awful like I mean that was at a crucial yeah. crucial stage again. could have scored there and I was just wondering the the top of both D's were a disaster and maybe I was thinking that's where juvenile under 12 pitches might be set up is it and that, or that's the goal mount of the juvenile pitches you know the way juvenile yeah. uh, it's under 14 is the big pitch but under 12 is the juvenile pitch I wonder what other excuses for the top of the D to be in an awful state and then random squares yeah so it's a weird venue if the pitch is that poor surely there's a bet what's wrong with Clonus yeah that like, ra- I mean, like that random square well, Clona, sorry is Scottstown that would oh, be home yeah. ground for them but that square completely screwed him over as well because if that had been a puddle he would have known it was landing in the puddle yeah but the square started giving a little skid away from him like um, I don't know there, were, there was really bad patch on in a bit from the D as well around the 20 is this just where people stand there and kicking the ball I don't know, Do you know it's like unusual for a county ground now to have that at the top of the D that was goal mouth mess around the middle around yeah. the, you know around the top of the D which didn't make um, it didn't make an awful lot of sense something that really annoyed me watching Scottstown and this this is like uh, I don't know like say Darren Hughes who was excellent like I mean some of his turnovers were brilliant and mm. the, the strength of him at this time of the year how many times did you see Darren Hughes kind of get the ball on the burst and they're kind of on the break so Hughes is eating up the ground up the middle of the field and he's gone and he's brilliant kind of pace into the attack and then there's someone on up ahead of him and he passes it at them they loop back in around him then yeah. and give Guido a load of time to get back and then suddenly you're at this stalemate it's like I was Darren Hughes I'd be like what did I just break my balls sprinting down the field for for you to come back around yeah. me and slow it up like when you've got a break on like that the ball has to go dead yeah. it has to go dead or else because you, you have semi one-on-ones kind of down there when you're on that kind of a break into space and he passes it ahead and the fellow who gets it has to make something happen there because how often do you get a chance where you've kind of got them running back to goals or with their yeah. you know I just don't get it so many times Darren Hughes just was let down by the fella that he passed it to do you remember stuff yeah, like oh that? yeah and like the idea that he would give you that ball just to come back behind him like yeah. he can do that he can turn around and go back he, <laughs> he might as well just tapped it on his toe and, and allowed Guido to go back yeah. and just start from there and he would have saved his energy that wasn't the reason he gave the ball away <laughs> no. like, you know um, yeah like that, that happened loads of times and there was like I think you were saying it earlier don't want to take your point away but there was a big space then even when Guido got men back there was space between the 45 and the the full forward line I was just watching it back there and the ball could have been kicked in like even though yeah. there were so many bodies back there was a big sort of area in behind it wasn't being 
looked after that, that was the difference between Scottstown and Guidor Guidor always had that threat of Cassidy and yeah. used him a lot and especially in the extra time Emma McGee really cranked it up towards the second half and especially in extra time he was looking for him all the time because yeah. like I mean you want to be stupid Cassidy was on form he was a ball of energy he was making things happen get it into him uh, Scottstown didn't even have a full time sweeper in front of him he was marking a wing back get the bloody thing in yeah. and it was Emma McGee obviously would be intelli- intelligent enough to every time he got it you know he was giving it into him but like I just couldn't understand Scottstown on the other end now Shane Carey was very good um, before he got sent off and he was rightly sent off Conor McCarthy was hiding the whole game now that kind of conditions is not his style but still he's an inter-county player yeah. you have to be doing more in a tight game like that Jesus but they put McFadden Farry on Kieran Hughes now I could not con- com- comprehend I'm like right so this lad's sticky He's sticking to Hughes. He's into a lot of play acting with Hughes. He's trying to get in his face. I'd be like, get in on that edge of that square, Kieran. He's half the size of you. And let's take advantage of this fella in the air. That's good management. It's like, right, well, that wasn't part of our initial plan. Now, it could have been because they would have known McFadden Ferry might have been tailor-made for him. Jesus, put him on the edge of the square and do it to Guidor, what Guidor were doing with Cassidy. And just turn this man marker into a total weakness yeah didn't even do it for a second and exactly what we were saying about Cora Finn and Ian Burke last week like uh, Kevin Cassidy was that he was the focal point like they just kicked him any sort of ball sometimes it was just right up in the air and he was sprinting out 20 yards and catching it on his chest and they could just play him that and everything went through him like the first two scores he caught it popped it off second one he caught it put it over off his right like you know it was just there the whole time if they wanted it yeah no he was and like I mean so that's it they had more points of attack they had more ways of attacking and even when they were three down I still fancied uh, Guidor did you yeah. yeah I still fancied them I just thought that they were I don't I, I, I just thought Scottstown were just getting their points kind of randomly do you know what I mean yeah. I d- didn't think there was any they were just coming across them do you know and maybe that's worked I don't know but I think I do think that Scottstown outside of the county lads they've got some very kind of just normal club players on it do yeah. you know where I think that Guidor had more of a, a threat all over the field I think that was the difference but Kevin Cassidy was on the show here a few weeks ago and he promised me a Skype call um, to his pub in Guidor the morning after the the morning after match Kevin Cassidy's gone AWOL so we've no Skype we've no Skype call anyway Skype would have been very messy in there anyways but we can go live to Mickey's Bar which I think Mickey, Kevin Cassidy's Bar is called Mickey's Bar where Odr- Odron McNeilish is standing by how's it going Odron? Hello? well what's the story? can you hear me? Not too bad, Willie. Hey, not too bad. How's the celebrations? It's quieter there than I'd imagined. Ah, yeah, it's very quiet. Hey, there's no celebrations going here <laughs> now at all. <laughs> just, just a routine win. Yeah, nothing major. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's madness. Hey, it's like a jungle. We're down in there. We're down by Easy or Cassie's pub, and it's absolutely happening. Hey, but it's great crack, man. Hey. And uh, now we're we're making the most of it, like, because you know. It's a, it's a massive achievement and it's huge for the parish and the club like and everyone's just enjoying it and making the most of it like because things like the, like this don't come around too often I saw Eamon McGee um, had a quote yesterday and he said something like the Ulster Club Football Championship is a bit like the World Cup for fellas in Guidor it's like you you always watched yeah. it but you never thought you'd be part of it Aye that's I was saying that last night like it's not even when an Ulster was not even something that 
that you dreamed of, like you you dreamed of winning county championship, like. But Ulster was never really, never really even came into your head. It was never really something you thought of because you always seen these great cross McGlen teams and Slot Neil recent years, and that just you, you just thought, geez, there, them teams are on a different level, and we'll never be able to compete with them. Like this, is, and you know, the last two years now, this club's just kind of taken it to a new level, and you know, it's kind of it's. Quick transition, like, yeah, and uh, we're just amazing, like, what we achieved. It is, it's absolutely, and like, I mean, it was a, it was, look, it was a bit of an arm wrestle of a game. The conditions, it was really, really heavy rain. So, like, I mean, it was never going to be that pretty, but like, it, it, it was a great, it was a great battle. I'd was say it was a tight game, probably the toughest game we've had all year, right? Uh, you know, the conditions made it harder, uh, especially in the first half. You know, the rain was just poured down. The second half wasn't too bad, but you know, the pitch was very heavy too. And uh, that's like Scott's down there, quality team. Hey, we we knew we'd be up against it. Hey, and, um, you know, we just said, third half at halftime, every man goes out in the second half and just empties it. Hey, we'll, we'll not be far away. And that's what we don't like because. We knew was if we were, if we were going to win, it was only going to be by a point or two because that's the kind of game it was. Like, and you know, we just knew that we had to go out and give it everything, and we did. Thankfully, you know, we got that bit of luck as well. You need that to win, like so. We're delighted. Yeah. So you had Damien McArdle following you all all over the field, no matter where you went. Were you expecting that? Yeah. Uh, I was. Uh, well, make the ball the. Uh, our coach was kind of—he was telling me that someone would be probably following me anyway, and uh, ah, I'm used to it anyway. Like so, it was nothing, nothing new to me. But you know, it's there's so many, there's so many men on that team, our team, like that you have to, that you would need to like keep a keep an eye on, like to basically man mark because there's so there's danger, there's dangers everywhere. Like every man that team can score can pop up with a score, like so. No, nah, it doesn't bother me as long as, as long as we get the results. That's all that matters. What was the story with the throw ball at the end, right? So nobody, I have, yeah. to, I have to admit, I said that you were robbed at the time watching it live. But then yeah. when I saw the replay, he clearly, McFadden Farry clearly <laughs> threw it. Like, I mean, but you wouldn't have known that it ha- at, when you went in at full time. What what was going on there? Ah, oh, jeez, I was going crazy. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I thought... I thought the ref was just playing for the draw or something, you know. You know what refs are like. Yeah. But, nah, it was it was hundred percent the right decision. I mean, fair play to the ref for seeing that and calling it. Like, but at the time, geez, I was fit to fit to give him a smack. Hey, but nah, it was the right call. But um, at full time, we just we just kind of we just kind of forgot about it and focused on the on the extra time then because we knew we had twenty minutes of. Another hard shift to put in, so we just kind of got over it and battled on. Yeah, well, if it wasn't for Kevin Cassidy, he probably would have got a slap. He was the only one. He was acting as bodyguard for the referee. Was he? Yeah, it was. Wouldn't be like Cass to be giving the referee a bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, I think he's he's getting older <laughs> and wiser. Yeah, he's getting older and wiser. Maybe that's just the wise head. Because I think Neil McGee came yeah, down. Yeah. He he was going to kill the ref. <laughs> like I mean, because I wouldn't have, <laughs> I I wouldn't have blamed you because like I was reading him and McGee was saying there was a lot of effing you know each other out of it in the dressing room. And I can imagine like how you didn't lose your heads by by thinking yeah. that the Ulster final has been robbed off you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. 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 It
Yeah, I, I suppose there was a few boys that were going a bit mad at half time, like, and thinking, Jesus, uh, has this. And we just, like, as you said there, we've just been robbed of those to find them. But, you know, we had another 20 minutes to go, and <clears throat> we knew the game wasn't over, and we had another chance to give another crack. And, but, uh, nah, the ref made the right call. And, <clears throat> we obviously didn't know that at the time. A lot of us thought, Jesus, the ref's made a balls of this, like, but, you know, we obviously made the right call, so just. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do after that. Like, once the ref makes a decision, that's it. You just have to get on with it, really. Like. Yeah, because, like, I mean, the referee, he... Like, if you were to look at it, that was that call went against you. Like, I mean, I don't know if you realised in... Um, during the match that Kieran Hughes got a second jello and he didn't get sent off he continued playing on and did, were you aware of that? Was that an extra time? No, it's not once it goes into extra time it's not a clean slate No, no, no it's actually not he made a mistake there Is it not? No, no a red card a red, a red card you can come back with 15 instead of 14 but a second jello will still continue oh. on like he should have gone so you would have had loads of complaints had you actually not won it Jeez, yeah no we thought we thought uh, once it was in the test time, the yellow cards were all swiped because I think uh, did even McGee not get a second yellow? Huh? <clears throat> yeah, but he got the line. Eamon McGee. Eamon McGee got sent off. Yeah, the last, the last, uh, in the last minute. Did he? No way! I didn't know that. Ah, uh, he was. Yeah, he was. But this is this is not <laughs> out. This, this is not really out of character. <laughs> <laughs> That's used to me, hey. Really? Didn't realise he was sent off at all. Yeah, but sure, look, the game was all, like it was all over the place at that stage. Like, I mean, you were defending, begging, uh, freeze, and all sorts. Like, I mean, there was only three points yeah. scored in, in the whole of the extra of the extra time. Yeah, oh, it was hectic. And once you see Beggins up there pulling strings, you know you're up against it. Hey, and he, uh, you know. As I said there earlier, we just got that bit of luck when he dropped that free sharp because he's just stroking them over all day and stroking them over for fun all year. It was just unfortunate for him, like that he dropped that last one short, but it was obviously great for us. But um, no, um, I didn't. I didn't. I actually didn't realize it. He gets sent off to all day. Yeah, no, he did. You had the right man on the line for that last uh, begging um, free anyways. Number 22, I can't think Hi, of Big thing. Peter McGee. Big Peter, Big Peter McGee was the right man to pluck that up from under the, yeah. the crossbar. Yeah, no better man. Hey. So what's the plan for the week now? Uh, we'll have a few beers today, possibly tomorrow as well, possibly Wednesday too, and... We'll see what Thursday brings, but <laughs> uh, we're going to enjoy it hey, because it's absolutely huge, like for the club and the parish. You know, we've we've won county championships before, but we've never even come close to one of the Ulster or been even near an Ulster final. So I think we deserve to just enjoy ourselves there for a few days, and then obviously we have Carson in February, so we're going to have to get back training in a few weeks and get ready for that because yeah. we have a lot of work to do get into, you know it's good It's I think it's good now that we have a few good few weeks now to maybe try and get into a bit of better shape and we have a lot of time to work on stuff and all so it's 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 good 
Yeah, who do you, why do you think the Donegal record in Ulster has been so bad? You're only the second team to win it and as St. Joseph's yeah. in 1975 won it. That's an, that was an amalgamation of Bundoran and Ballyshannon which doesn't even exist anymore. So like, I mean, wh- yeah. wh- why is that like? I mean, Donegal have always been strong in their county team. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's hard to define your honour like and we've always, always had strong club teams too. You know, you've the likes of Kilcar there last year Glenswilly a couple of years ago, Glenties, um, you know, the quality teams like, but I just, I just don't know why they've never pushed on one in Austria. You know, you had St. Unions there 10 years ago, they won three or four in a row county championships, but they never never won in Austria. Like, so it's hard to, hard to put the finger on it, really. Like, it's a bit of a mystery, but. Um, uh, I just uh, don't, I don't know. Like we obviously have a we have a very very good team there now at the minute, and we have a good management team behind us, and you know they've kind of set us up very well. And I don't know, it was maybe down to that kind of side of it where teams weren't set up well, they weren't really determined to maybe win Ulster. You know, that maybe they were happy enough just winning the county championship. Like so, I don't know really how, but. You know, it's after the county championship, we, it's something that we we really really wanted to win. You know, we had a great chance going it, and we really gave it a gave it everything, like, and we did win it. So I don't know. Now I think it maybe after now, it might be the start of more than all teams won it now in the future, hopefully. Yeah. No, exactly. Before you go, tell me about this Japanese centre forward Nisho Obuel that you have. <laughs> yeah, we need to. He's a star. I do. He's a great weight player, isn't he? I, he's a good little player, all right. Yeah, he is. He's yeah, he's class. But um, nah, Nisha, he was, there was an article going about about him there uh, during the week. He, was, he lived in Japan. He lived in Australia. And, you know, I actually I knew him from a very young age. From when he first came to Ireland, he used to be my dad and his dad would be very good mates, and Nisha used to be down at to be knocking about my there when he was a young fella but uh, little did I know that he be won an Ulster Championship now with him a couple of years later so nah, it's great for him great for his family and everyone so we're just so everyone's delighted eh? yeah so how many years did he spend in Japan Not was it longer or no <clears throat> I don't think it was too long to be honest now I think maybe I'm not sure maybe six or seven years and then he went, they went. They moved to Australia then for a few years. His dad got a job or something in Australia, so they moved there for a while. Right. And then they came back to Ireland. So they've been here. They've been here in Ireland now for maybe ten years or so. So been here a long time. All right. Okay. So come here. Who else have you got there for me? Uh, I'll try to thank you. Beautiful Sunday. <laughs> hey, that's Niall Friel here. Niall, how's it going? Well, Alright, yeah. It's just as well that I'm getting you out to a back room here. It wouldn't be wouldn't be getting much volume from your um from the interview in there. Ah, I don't know. I'm looking. A Monday morning and Nicky say you want a class cheese of pieces of rocket. That's crazy. It sounds good. I'd love to be up there. Come here and was it was it a late one last night? Huh? 
Was it very late last night? Have you stopped at all? Ah, sure. Ah, the fewer sleep you know why. I said to myself, I better get a few hours because I knew today is going to be a massive day. Yeah, and are you all are you all in uh, there? I hear I hear Emma McGee has gone a wall. Listen, to do his own thing, but no, I'm sitting in the wee lounge. Here. I think it's a quiet place, but if I go if I open a door, the place just is rocking. I hear, I saw the I saw you were singing the Celtic Symphony in the dressing room after the match. Is that your official team song? Oh well. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just didn't know what to do. Then I just had to go and say a wee, few, <laughs> a wee song there. But originally I'm from Glasgow, like so. I just thought I'd uh, sing a wee tune with the Glasgow boys. Jeez, you ha- so you have Scottish fellas and Japanese fellas on the team. Unless you have the team of the Scottish, yeah. <laughs> Cassidy yourself, and then you've uh, Nisha. Gillespie, from Glasgow, and Hank Mulligan's mother from Glasgow. That is sure. Half Scottish, you know the the connection with the Gidon Glasgow is massive, and sure, listen, uh, I just sang a wee song for the Glasgow boys. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic. And how's Gillespie getting on? Like, I mean, that's t- obviously heartbreaking for him to have missed out on it. Ah, you know, <laughs> the moment he fell down up in Carrigan, you know, jeez, it just brought a tear to my eye because listen, like that man, I look out my kitchen window and I see his house, like, and I grew up in his house. And, Vice versa, he grew up in my house and that was a heartbreaking, you know, seeing that flick went down and I think we all knew at the time was that the cruise ship, but no, it was over there during the week and he just said, listen, it's heartbreaking not to be out there, but I think we've done it for Gillespie today and ah, that man, it's, it's sick because like the county hasn't seen what that man can do, like it's, he's been came back to my cruise ship, like and he cruised through the county championship and it's absolutely scary what that man can do like he's an absolute phenomenon he's a man mountain and listen um, it's a good thing for our club but as long like, as as well as the county like that man can go places like he's an absolute phenomenon of a man eh? yeah well fingers crossed he gets back uh, soon enough come here what's it like captaining this team there's a lot of big characters um, on it to say the least oh I, I think <laughs> we said it was going to be I think two years ago, Marvin put Eamon as captain, and um, Eamon and Marvin themselves sat down. And Eamon said, "Listen, if we're going to be an honest group, um, it's going to be a new kind of a new system to be. Well, I don't know, a new team to be over." And Marvin says, "It's going to be an honest group," and Eamon says, "Listen, I think that one of the young boys that we grew up kind of winning trophies, and listen, I was just happy enough to get the captain because I, I was lucky enough to captain the boys at underage. And that's down to Tom Bug, like yeah, Tom Gillespie has." probably got the credit that he deserves because without Tom it wouldn't be possible and I was lucky enough to be captain underage with Tom and then just just the way it worked out I was captain and it's just my name beside the, beside the captaincy and now uh, it was a massive moment for myself it's not what I'm thinking about but in a few years time I'd say I'll look back and I'll enjoy it Ah yeah it was fantastic so like I mean as captain you're in the dressing room at full time and everyone's losing their minds because you think you're after being robbed after the, the hand pass that ended up being a throw to Carol who scored a point. Like, I mean, how are you trying to calm things down at that stage? Uh, I don't... I think uh, myself included, I was kicking bottles and I was <laughs> <flipping> just... <laughs> it was ridiculous because Carol kicked the... Oh, well, I thought it was the one and I was really kind of half celebrating and the emotions were high and we didn't have time and the boys are doing their own thing but Ah, I don't know how they explain like boys are kicking walls and just punching and we just like we just thought that 
we could have won the game. But uh, I think the management team never let the players do their own thing for five minutes, and then they come in and they can't sell things. And now it's, I don't think I was any captaincy there because I was up to high goal myself. But now the management team came in and listened. We were another 10 minutes or 20 minutes to go. And it's there for the taking, and thankfully we got the win there. Yeah, exactly, because like I mean, it would have been fair enough if you had lost your minds. I suppose then um, Shane Carey getting the line probably helped you out. You know, the one-man advantage um, was a big t- deal at that stage. Ah, I remember James went down and went up to him and I was like, what's wrong with you? Get up to flick with you? Like, no, <laughs> no, with you. But I looked down and I think the poor man was concussed at the time. Like, uh, yeah. And I looked up and there was blood pouring out of his nose and I was like, gee, that's not in a bad way. Like, and I didn't... I seen the second kind of go on the staff of the face like and I I seen a, a cup and it was gee, it was a bad one, like you got a bad dude, but at the time I did get up to around you, but I think he is concussed, but that's the way James Boyle is, you know. Yeah. So he <laughs> got he, he, Yeah, he got he got a good left and then he got followed up. It was a combination. It was one a wild left and then a little sneaky right on the other side. So like I mean, it was it was a good um it was a good slap. Come here, did you what did you watch the video of it or what's the story? Will you watch that today and I was a no. grouper? He just kinda of went we haven't say listen, we're just <laughs> Well, Mickey's like, there's no time to be watching that crack. We're just enjoying the, <laughs> enjoying the things. Like, and um, no, I just remember James went down and they dropped him. Like, the only, like, Gary went off and then James came off. And I was like, come on, the flip. Like, I thought he was going to play acting. Like, but no, the boy said he's going to run off a slap tonight. I feel a bit bad because I went up to him and I was like, get up. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, but he looked up to me. Like, and I seen his eyes and his eyes in every direction. And he didn't know where he was. And But no, just the, the character James is. He went up and he half passed over the bar. And, Thankfully, yeah, James, that's the character he is. He just gets up and gets on with it. And I am just happy he passed that one over the bar. And Shane Ferry kicked the winner. So, geez, we're just delighted. Come here, I won't keep you any longer. I'll let you back into the mayhem there now. Thanks very much for taking the call. Not a bother, yeah. God, I'd love to be in Mickey's bar in Guidor on a day like today. That's it. There's nothing better. It's always, everyone knows the Monday after the... Not everybody uh, knows, will we? We haven't, <laughs> we haven't all been there. <laughs> but the Monday after the match, because like last night, obviously the Guidor lads would have had to go back from Oma back to Guidor. Would you say that is a nice spin on the bus? Yeah. They would have had a bit of crack on the bus. By the time they land back there, it's late. Everything's a big rush. You're already... Today you're in. You know, you're in early. The whole day is ahead of you. Do you know what I mean? And that's what they have to look forward to. It's sensational stuff. Ah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Like, ah, like think about the people listening to this. Most people haven't won the championship, and they probably will never win a championship. Yeah, we've never won even a soccer thing or anything that you could even. Yeah, but you wouldn't be out on a Monday then, (laughs) the day after (laughs) celebrating. But is is she the only sport that does this? Like, I mean, you look at like. for example, like the national rugby team, and I don't want to get a bit like you and McKenna or anything. Like, I mean, Ireland win the Six Nations, wins the Grand Slam, and everybody kind of watches it. Like, I'd watch it; I wouldn't even feel like going into town for a pint after it. I'd just yeah. be happy after winning it. But like, I'm not a rugby diehard. Never mind taking the next day off. Yeah. Like, is this just pure GEA that actually takes like Italian ninety? Obviously, in the soccer, <laughs> we went a bit a bit book mad, or maybe it's just a tradition in GEA that after a big match, the next day is taken off work. Yeah, I suppose because everybody though like not to sound cheesy but I will but everybody is involved in it right like somebody who's coached one of those players under 12 somebody on the committee they're all involved in that success like so 
I don't know, when it's a little club like that, then they, they can all feel part of it, so they should celebrate it. When it's the Ireland rugby team, like me and you have done nothing towards it, so yeah. us being out at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Monday would be a bit weird, wouldn't yeah. it? I thought Kevin Cassidy, did you keep watching after the full-time whistle until the the... the the trophy celebration and the camera went to Kevin Cassidy and a lot of players were were congratulating each other but he went around to all the old stock from the club and they, well, they were almost queuing up to hug him and yeah. big huge hearty hugs now I know most players get that but there just seemed to be a little bit more in it I don't know whether it was because everything that happened with Cassidy missing out in the All-Ireland like he's such a great character around the town would be yeah. well known and a bloody warrior for years I think they kept a little bit more for Cassidy than the others. Am I, yeah. am I reading too no, much into that? No, I got the same. Like maybe because we know the story as well, but it did. It did seem that way. And like because now he's playing this massive role at full forward, and Boris Gat would have a lot more respect for him, wouldn't they? Like yeah. they know, get the ball into Kevin Cassidy for God's sake. Yeah, I, I, it did look that way. Did you see his reaction when Eamon McGee dropped the ball short? Oh. And uh, he came running over to the other post and kicked it of his studs. Did like he? he no, just, I didn't see geez, it. He cares so much. Like, I think they were two down at that stage as well. So well, he was being very positive the whole game. Cassidy was like Cassidy was, you know, encouraging him and celebrating points and everything. But McGee, what was McGee thinking there? Like, I was hoping to talk to McGee because it was a half point come shot. Do you think he was trying to? Sh- I thought he was just trying to put it over. And maybe drop and and with the conditions because some of his players let him know about it. Didn't yeah, they? there was a couple of them like this, and yeah. Cassidy just ran away and kicked the post. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great stuff. Listen, we'll come back and we'll cover the rest of the talking points from the weekend. You ready? Let's go. I've had fellas follow me, and not just carplets, you know what I mean? Mm. It happens, it happens, yeah. and it does happen. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing it's a lonely spot, and the best thing you can do is keep moving. And I thought Connolly yeah. looked to be trying to do yeah. that the last time. Yeah. The camera show it doesn't look great, yeah, there was um, maybe they could say it was theatrical or whatever, but like the reality is that there was contact and um I wasn't trying to win a penalty, I was trying to go out and win the ball. You know, actually it's funny, your man Conan, what's his name on the, on your programme like I, I was wondering if he had the same match as me. He was kinda of making out Terry, but unlucky to lose like Let's go. 10% Yeah, so Ballyhill Shamrocks achieved exactly what Guidor achieved. And that seems... <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is the Guidor show here, Conan. Like, I mean, this is Leinster Club. But obviously Ballyhill Shamrocks are the market leaders in hurling. And for them to win an Ulster title isn't really... Obviously, it's a big deal, but it's nowhere near yeah. a team like Guidor, who only one Donegal team had ever won it, 1975, as we mentioned, and Guidor had never won it. And so that's kind of this big romantic story of the weekend. But look, Ballyhill Shamrocks, and they hammered uh, Ballyboden. One was a classic with a team who never won it. The other was a, an annihilation. And um, Ballyhill Shamrocks have hammered their way through Leinster. Like, yeah. This is just one... This is a team that could have gone out of the Kilkenny Championship at semi-final stage needed uh, was it a late it was a late goal yeah. just to, just to um, stay in that championship 
they've nobody landed a glove on them then in Leinster so like this has been a routine Leinster win by Ballyhell Shamrocks and this is nowhere near where they thought they were going to be at the start of this year yeah I looked actually before the Kilkenny final they were 21 they won the All-Ireland now they're right. favourites to win it obviously but that's just because they've powered through they won by 16 points yesterday but it is incredible like they hadn't won since 2014 and they were sort of bringing through these young boys now that they have they're just Ballyhale again where they were yeah. nowhere near that for a couple of years like compared to their standards and of course Shefflin right so now we're talking about uh, Shefflin said after game her, Kilkenny Hurling had a bit of a wobble in the last couple of years so the junior intermediate and senior <laughs> is a good bonus for the lads so they've won all the Leinster yeah. um, competitions the clubs have Michael Fennelly thinks he is going to be an inter-county manager, manager um, very soon Michael Fennelly said after the game I've no doubt we'll see him in a couple of years at inter-county level without a doubt I'd say he has his eyes on that even in the back of his mind maybe it's his first year and he has a Leinster final medal which is huge like I mean that's it you've Eddie Brennan um, with Leash you have um, Henry Sheffield it's just what county they go to that's the thing like <laughs> I mean but like I suppose with Henry's reputation and now what he's done with club like I mean any county probably he, he, he could walk he could walk into the traditional counties now would it not be earmarked for Kilkenny you wouldn't want to see Henry Shelfin anywhere else would you it would be so weird wouldn't yeah. it it would be so weird to see him anywhere else but sure Cody's not going anywhere soon what about like a Stephen Kenny job you know give him the under 20 <laughs> job and then they can, he can come up and come up the ranks yeah but, but Eddie Brennan did that oh yeah <laughs> you know, there, that's not a pathway through this <laughs> Cody ain't going anywhere so like I mean you know it's hard to know because there was just a piece in the examiner I think it was Brendan O'Brien who was talking about the simplicity of Ballyhale's game plan and how Henry Shefflin has just made them the best again by complete simple tactics and yeah. reminded me a bit of Cody like where everything is just so straightforward and just win your own battles and whatever they're doing off the pitch is working And I think at this time of the year as well like I mean during this I, I was at the uh, Greg Ballycallan Port Leash match and yeah. now that's an intermediate level hurling this time of the year is bloody hard you don't need to be messing around with that ball like do you know, like yeah. when we see it, just I was saying to Itzy coming out of the game on Saturday, I was saying, like she would have watched some of the intercounty matches, and she was says, "Jesus, that was nothing like the the, the matches oh, I've really? seen." And I said, "Well, like that's three levels down from <laughs> yeah. that." But it just gives you an appreciation of the pure skill we see during the summer at intercounty level because it's hard to get that ball up when you're under pressure, and yeah. the intercounty lads during the summer are just flicking it up and getting it into their hand. This time of the year with the pitches, very hard to get it up into your hand. No, none of these short balls. That's messing. Get it down. <laughs> I think that that traditional hurling is is hurling for this time of the year. I, I strongly believe, in even even if your philosophy is more of a Davy Fitz style short game or a um, John Kiley with Limerick or Canark, any coach in Limerick mm. during the winter that's not really the way you want to be playing it. It's too messy for hurling. The ground is too messy. The short passing's too messy just get the ball down do you know what I mean yeah. it obviously works for Belly Hill there was a stage there where Colin Baskell won the ball in the corner and he just flicked it up and took on I think it was Joey Holden just took it around him put it over and you're like holy god this yeah. boy should be playing for Dublin <laughs> you know? he's, got, he's got a huge part you know and I don't want to this could drive the hurling <laughs> people mad when you see a footballer like Baskell just throw a sidestep and go past the lad like he's not even there yeah well, hurlers are not good. I don't think hurling defenders are good man markers. I think that they mark a lot of space, right. but I don't think they actually. You're not. So you're not allowed to tackle the man. Yeah. So I don't think they're used to getting close and tackle. <laughs> I think they they stand they stand off. So yeah. a sidestep just bamboozles them. I thought you were going to say that hurling is not hard. You can skip it up and take on the man. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the proper proper hurling man. But yeah, I was surprised at how he, like, he actually left holding on his arse. And against Cool Derry, he did it yeah. like several times. And this is just a basic. 
step off your left foot onto your right. It's not a, it's not huge. Uh, so you can't tackle the man. So I obviously think the culture of hurling is not to be in that tight. To be you yeah. give him enough space to maybe do that. Try and win the first ball just or your or your snicker. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, Henry Shefflin paid uh, tribute to Robbie Lodge. Who is their physio? So he kept Michael Fennelly fit all year. So like, I mean, he deserves. <laughs> he mentioned TJ Reid as well, who's not not as uh, injury prone as Michael Fennelly. So like, I mean, he gave he gave the he gave the shout out for that. I saw Dermot Ling tweeting during the match. He was on the commentary duty, yeah. and I thought it was, like I could see what he was doing. He was like, "This is." Uh, this is Ballyboden versus Ballyhale. So Ballyboden had under banished story, they had selector, they had physio, they had they had a list of about eight different people. Yeah. Whereas Ballyhale had the old school manager, selectors, two selectors, <laughs> and there was no more after yeah, that. Yeah. But I think Gizzy was trying to make the idea that this is the huge professional setup against the little country club. But like the Ballyhale would have had exactly what what. Uh, Bally Bowden had only Bally Bowden obviously wanted to give them all that mention on yeah. the programme so I wouldn't have I could see what he was doing there yeah. but I don't think there was I, much in it I'm sure Bally Hill Shamrocks the best hurling club in Ireland are, are well looked after you know <laughs> I'm sure they are yeah no exactly so uh, Greg Bally Callan uh, beat Portlaoise 217 to 15 points that was in uh, Nolan Park on Saturday um, there, there was no way it was an 8 point game uh, they got a 1-1 at the la- in the last uh, the last uh, minute to really put a good bit in it there was 3-4 in it Portly, there was 8 in it in the second half Portlaoise got it back to 3 I think it was uh, but they couldn't get any closer and then Greg Bally Callan um, pulled away at the end but Eddie Brennan got a brilliant goal and that was what was between the teams for uh, for the whole of the first half but I thought it was very interesting so they're Greg Bally Callan right so they're they're uh, obviously an amalgamation but it's been a long time but the people in the stand were still shouting go on Bally Callan oh, really? like, forget about this great crowd <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> yeah yeah so it was come on Bally Callan it was like ah, come on when are you going to start including these great uh, crowds so like I mean it wasn't a classic and like I mean Portlaoise would be happy enough I don't think Portlaoise performed the Portlaoise lads I was talking said they didn't play well at all Greg Bally Callan looked like they were the better team much more dangerous forwards I think was the difference between the two teams they did the best out of all the Leinster teams in the finals across junior hurling Portlaoise did yeah, and no, sh- in fairness it was a three or four point game yeah. in, re- in reality like Portlaoise had pushed everyone forward at the end and it was a breakaway goal and then the, the final whistle was blown so it wasn't eight absolutely um, wasn't um, eight points so that was it that was the club action there was I have here Eamon Fitzmaurice versus Pat Spillane so Fitzmaurice <laughs> did a piece in the examiner with Tony Lean so Tony Lean usually gets those Kerry lads for the sit down and he said saying some interesting stuff one thing I thought was interesting was like which I didn't agree with was he was talking about Jim Gavin and how he said he, he used Eamon Fitzmaurice used to sit down at the, at the end of every year and maybe give a little bit of insight because he knows himself he wouldn't be given any during the year but at the end he might give a little bit and he was like Jim Gavin never does that not even the end of year does Jim Gavin never gives anything away and he says we're constantly trying to catch Jim Gavin so I stopped doing it as well so he stopped giving end of year interviews or giving any insight and I was just thinking it just like when Eamon Fitzmaurice is doing that just because Jim Gavin's doing it you know I don't think that's the right way to do it yeah. Jim Gavin is very very unique in this Dublin are not winning all earns because Jim Gavin refuses to give yeah. anything away Dublin will win them anyways I hate that 2 plus 2 equals 4 that's not how it works at all but Fitzmaurice being the manager of the second third 
with Mayo as well actually just went I did what Jim Gavin did and I was like just I should just be your own person and be your own man and do your own thing I, I wouldn't have agreed with the way he went with that yeah because if every manager like Jim Jim McGuinness you won't get a more insightful manager than him he always gave open interviews they didn't do him any harm yeah that's it and we can all see the way the team plays anyway then like you can't hide what you're doing yeah. on a Sunday and if, actually of what you were doing with Jim Gavin was doing like we don't know what Jim Gavin's doing so he <laughs> can't do what Jim Gavin's doing like you don't know yeah. exactly what he's doing behind the scenes but yeah I think you're right do what be your own man basically like you know yeah. I wouldn't go copying there's too much of a culture of copying what the winning team does in GA anyways and that's it and that like a lot of a lot of people are talking about the club game this the club game that you know with these new rules and I'm like the club game will mirror the inter-county game they're all going to copy it so like I mean we need to fix the inter-county game and then the rest will follow suit that yeah. they, you don't see any club teams doing something that they haven't already seen the managers are of a lower level they're getting inspired by the higher level managers and that's the that's just the reality so there's no idea that the club game is going to go in one direction inter-county in another yeah. that's just not how it works but he also Fitzmaurice uh, fairly put the boot into Pat Spillane so he's talking about punditry in general and how it's very weak TV punditry now thankfully so I was glad enough (laughs) is that excluding us I don't know but anyways so he says look when you've ate All-Ireland medals you can pretty much say what you want Pat had plenty to say about players he won All-Irelands with when they were managing Kerry so I wasn't foolish enough to think he was going to spare me what amuses me though is the way he'll send the odd text message either preceding or following a lambasting he reminds me a bit of Donald Trump he has a huge ego he understands how the media works and he's good for a soundbite to keep himself relevant. But personally speaking, I wouldn't have him within a million miles of a Kerry team. Now, this is in uh, the context of this is Pat Spillane wants to get involved with Kerry teams. So he fairly pulls the boot. Like, I mean, uh, there's a, there's a, like, what do you say about, what do you say about that Spillane if he goes below the belt? Like, uh, I mean, fair enough. But... I think the ego thing is absolutely right he absolutely does have an ego I don't like the text message thing that's the Joe Brawley tactic he is that when he slags it. somebody and then texts so before or after before or after he does it with Morris, he sends him a te- he'd send him a text message <laughs> sorry about it, what you're about to see I find that a little bit two faced like you know but then again it's a bit weird you give your opinion and then you go to Croke Park press box and you might meet someone you've said something about it's a very weird thing yeah I mean it's funny I think it's individually because this is Pat's plan like I'm thinking about Kevin McStacey who could be a good coach but also be a pundit you know and it seems a, a bit different because he was a lot more analytical in his punditry and as a coach I presume that he was probably a bit more detailed than Pat's plan might be but with Pat's plan it's just very wishy-washy right he just has a dig at somebody and then I don't know what sort of coach he would be like but do you know just if you compare the two different people it seems like one person could do it and Pat Spillane couldn't yeah well I don't think Pat Spillane would be great if Pat Spillane was a good coach he would be he would have done more at 70 years well what, what age would Pat Spillane be 60 be 60 anyways the boat has sailed for Pat Spillane basically but that's it so um, Fitzmaurice wasn't taking that lying down Morris Deegan was interviewed um, I think it was Martin Breton he had this I'll have to wash my mouth out there <laughs> after admitting that I read one of his pieces give him a text <laughs> before you say that <laughs> so Morris Deegan was talking about two referees 
and this is a thing that gets peddled out every now and then and it works in the international rules and I completely I don't think there's any need for it if you have your linesmen and umpires doing their fecking jobs there is no need for two referees end of story it's messy it's just a mess and Morris Deegan actually points this out in this piece he said I'm not speaking for other referees but I certainly see no need for two I know what it's like to work with another referee in international rules and enjoyed it but our own game is different the fear would be you might have two different interpretations of something like the tackle. It's very straightforward in international rules, but less so in Gaelic football. So you would have confusion and indeed anger if players felt that the rule on something like tackling was being interpreted differently in opposite halves of the field. Absolutely true. And then there's a question of whether it would apply to the club game too. Um, where would the referees come from? That's a supply yeah. issue and that's a fair issue as well. But absolutely, you, you know coming in to play any game the manager will give you the lowdown this referee yeah. what's he finicky about what does he not like so you have two of these feckers on the same pitch <laughs> yeah. it's a mess it's a mess you've got two eyes on the goals looking at everybody with their backs turned to them two umpires you have a linesman checking everything from either side of the pitch and they're running up and down the pitch with the play you have a referee running up and down the pitch with the play if you're telling me that's not enough to officiate a match uh, that you didn't need a second referee I'm not in, I'm not on this second referee thing at all I think it's it's a silly silly idea yeah I agree um, Like, and the umpires at county level are they're referees they're club referees like you know the umpires they're not though they're not that they should be they're not though no, at, they're the referees buddies at county level yes. it's, it's generally it's, uh, as far as I know it's generally club referees that the ref knows so again I'm thinking about the Derry example but Barry Cassidy his umpires would all be referees yeah but that's I, I think that was a proposed motion across in one right. of the congresses so it's not actually it, official no no you're, ah, right. you're like the referee's father-in-law can be one <laughs> you know that kind of that's the that's the way it is well in that case I want two referees and <laughs> I don't want the umpires <laughs> to do anything would, I, I just think you you at inter-county level you have umpires who are ex-referees and you don't need any of this messing yeah. and like the idea that you'd extend the mark to the 45 and have an issue now at the 45 metre line rather than the 21 when you have two umpires who can absolutely officiate that 21 metre line or where it was caught yeah. where he jumped from like I mean that's easy but that's what I was <laughs> I saw because I saw Malky Clerken was saying that and I was like well, how does a referee see what happens in the box uh, if it's a penalty or not you know, yeah. ref can't be saying that I can't see down to the 21 metre line for God's sake no I know balls get kicked down but Jesus. And like <laughs> any, but any ball like that it's from outside the 45 so there's yeah. hang time on this yeah so you're following you're actually following that like it's not like this has happened in the blink of an eye this has travelled and there's and like a line across the pitch as and well. there's two lines but now like to complain again now and Morris Deegan was saying this in this piece now this mark only has to travel 20 metres how can you possibly make that call under pressure yeah. without the lines on the field helping you out which were in the advance mark there's no ambiguity about the, the two lines yeah. the 45 and the 21 now you have to judge so a diagonal <laughs> ball like whatever about a straight ball you might go right that's 65 that's the 45 you might but what about a diagonal ball yeah. how do you judge and this is one that's caught and marked and scored to win a game so it's more bullshit on a Monday or say well did it, did it travel it'd be like basically black card analysis did the mark travel 20 metre yeah. analysis and it's opening up a whole <laughs> load of our nonsense yeah. the whole Marty squad will be dedicated to a to, <laughs> to a 20 metre to a 20 metre thing because every time I turn on that show they're debating a black card <laughs> yeah. the two referees will help people like James McGrath though who got screwed over or to, or to a county final or an All-Ireland final oh yeah just keep everybody happy yeah 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 maybe that's it for the referees <laughs> egos so two bits of news for Kildare here Daniel Flynn is in the 
in the Auburn Cup squad so Daniel Flynn has hinted recently about maybe taking a break it'd be a disaster for Kildare if that's the case maybe he's just training with the college and he was saying he'd be back for the league but he's not in the Auburn Cup um, squad so that's a big big loss for Kildare and it always something about Kildare seems like to take two steps forward and one step back or something don't mm. they they never they can't seem to push on the way like some of the traditional counties keep that going whereas the small the less traditional counties always something like Roscommon will lose a player yeah. to, you know what I mean they all it's like they, they're I don't know it's like some sort of bloody curse that there's always yeah. something or some lad will go to Australia or somebody there's always something but in other Kildare news and I had missed this I don't know that, had you seen and Michael Fennelly has joined their backroom team as their performance coach so this is basically a performance coach is Dunn that's in with Dublin what's he he's a lifestyle coach Bernard Dunn Bernard Dunn he's a, li- he's a lifestyle his, his, uh, we don't know what he does that's the thing no but yeah. I think it's down his lifestyle and nobody knows what that means but what's a performance coach What? What can you give me some low I'm sorry for throwing this on you <laughs> but what the hell would a performance coach be well I see that he, he is he studying nutrition or something yeah. like that it's just basically someone who's going to maximise their performance so he'll help them be ready physically and mentally on the Sunday at 3.30 or whenever it is yeah maybe maximising your performance advising him on nutrition advising him on lifestyle advising him on being a winner because he's obviously won so much in the game just I suppose yeah performance coach (laughs) you just make it vague (laughs) enough and just yeah there is no real downsides to Michael Fenley being involved in your backroom team so it's whatever you call whatever you call him I suppose and obviously he's coming from a hurling background but uh, so I assume it's going to be more physical and mental stuff that he can help maybe he's just going to be in charge of everybody that's underneath him then like I'm just guessing I think mental stuff and I think coming off the field having not like he could maybe comment on like you seem a bit off tonight you know what I mean little things like that Uh, a word of a manager are you all right and being that kind of conduit between the manager and the players listen just get him in he's alright we, we we have him in I think Oshie McConville was in doing something with the leash hurlers yeah. so like I mean it's not without precedent that someone from a different code will come in as some part did you see this thing for this is one for the hurling snobs this uh, uh, hurling has been uh, it's been recognised as a protected cultural activity by UNESCO something to do with the United Nations the United Nations have have uh, recognised hurling and so United Nations UNESCO defines intangible cultural heritage as the practices representations expressions knowledge skills that communities group and individuals recognise as part of their cultural heritage so a delegation from the GA travelled out to Paris in October to lobby for hurling and camogie's inclusion on the list UNESCO described hurling as a field game played by two teams which dates back 2,000 years and features strongly in Irish mythology, most notably in the epic saga of Coo Cullen, <laughs> where Coo Cullen would puck the ball and <laughs> run after it and he'd catch it before. Isn't that the one? Yeah. Coo Cullen, Jesus. What a player he would be. That's a bit like Joe Canning, where Galway, before they got Lewis, he needed to be at midfield, he needed to puck the ball down and be at full and front. It, yeah. Michael Murphy, Donegal, yeah. Coo Cullen. But anyway, who gives a shit about this <laughs> <laughs> why is the GEA travelling to Paris to lobby about this what difference does this make to anyone to get some funding off the back of it I oh now you might be onto something you know yeah. it's, if it's listed as someone there that we have to protect or like, you know, it helps the culture of Europe or Ireland especially that you have 
this game and it's I don't know I mean it's great that Coo Cullen has finally come good for yeah, us like. yeah justice for Coo Cullen we'll <laughs> say we'll leave that with that finally uh, Conan Masters football so the GEA's management committee has cleared the way for all club and county grounds to facilitate the playing of Masters football oh, brilliant. the over 40s grade of the game previously unsanctioned to use such grounds right so reading this in the Irish Times and it represents a significant progress for the Gaelic Masters Association who remain an autonomous body but represents one of the fastest growing sectors of the GEA the 2018 competition which involves 16 counties culminated in September where Dublin beat Tyrone in the final um, a game which involves several former senior inter-county players so I was talking about this uh, last year. All right, so for 20 years, the GA officially sanctioned and ran the Masters competition. So they did sanction and run them before disbanding it in 2009, rising, uh, citing rising insurance costs and cases of indiscipline. Don't like that uh, indiscipline kind of thing um, with my mouth. But we're joining this. So we have a Facebook group going on at the moment now. So we're, we have a panel put together, a leash panel and we're joining this Masters football so can't absolutely wait I'm spring chicken I'm a young fella I'm, <laughs> I'm just on 40 so like you don't get any younger than me yeah. it's a great place to be You're the hot shot, no, I'm the youngest on the team I'll be the fastest I'll be the fittest this is, this is just like being a minor all over again <laughs> fairy tale stuff well, Hang on, a, a Facebook, is there no trials being done here? Like you boys are just picking the team yourselves? Well, I'm not picking a team. I was asked that I want to play. So Mark Rooney is kind of taking it on board. He'd be Darren's older brother. Um, he's getting he's getting names together onto a squad. And sure, we're going to take it from there. I don't want to give too much away here, Conor. <laughs> you know what I mean? I see what Jim Gavin's doing. Yeah, well, like I see Jim Gavin for the last five years have, hasn't given many insights. So <laughs> I'm not going to start telling you what we're doing and who's on the squad. But it's a very strong squad. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's going to be very similar to the 1997 and 1998 dollar in a minor no 96-97 minors are all underage so that'll tell you and that was the oh, bulk yeah. that was the bulk of our 2003 team so let's just put it this way 96-97 minors are 40-41 that was the bulk of our 2003 to 2005 good leash team that means we're all 40 we're all young fellas we're like it's still a good senior intercounty yeah. team but we're all fresh and young and we're going to win it out and that's just the way it is and I'm going to knock business. going to knock those dubs off their perch <laughs> <laughs> right we'll be back with performance of the weekend Conan Doherty was a fantastic analyst and I mean I really heed what he would say in your programme I think Tyrone are going to win I'm going to go with them I, as much as I I predicted Dublin to win the All-Ireland at the start of the year I just think Tyrone are going too well they're unaffected by the other team too well set up I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years they're ready for them I'm, I'm going to go with them you know. Paddy Power performance the weekend we're not going to stay too long on this Conan because uh, we've gone way over time I'd imagine Odron McNeilich got man of the match in uh, on TG Cahar and I wouldn't have agreed with that I thought uh, Damien McArdle did a good job on him and he finished the game well got the two points the one from a free and a nice one from play yeah. wasn't as influential now as we've seen him at all like I know the county final is a very high bar that he set but like I mean you see him involved in the general play an awful lot more kind of making things happen yeah. whereas he seemed to be just tipping along couple of nice, by his standards yeah a couple of nice passes which you do expect from him anyway yeah. like, but like, I, I thought 
Yeah, maybe it was man of the match, but I thought it was good. Remember we were talking about Merchant, Mark and Sludden, how easier it is to man mark someone out the field. Yeah. It's such an easy job for McArdle, but I thought especially for like 90 seconds to go for Owen McNeilis just to get free there. And I watched the back, like, it was brilliant. Have you just watched his off-the-ball movement? Like, Guido were coming up the pitch and they're sort of going in waves overlapping. That was and a very good move. That was almost yeah. like rugby where they're just throwing it, al- throwing it out along the line. And he just sort of takes a couple of steps back. McArdle's watching him and has his back to goals and he just takes a couple of steps back away from the move. And it gets thrown back to him like in the pocket, almost like a, a fly half in rugby. Like, and then he just puts it over. It was lovely to do. It's not not enough for man of the match, but yeah, hard to pick a man of the match from that game. Again, it's one of these games that's just such a, an arm wrestle. It's very hard to be the outstanding kind of mm. player in a game like that because I think a lot of players are playing kind of at a similar, just kind of a similar. I thought Kevin Cassidy was yeah. excellent. Every time he got the ball, there was danger. I thought every time the two Hughes got the ball, there was danger. Do you know? Even though McFadden Ferry did all right on Kieran Hughes. But Kieran Hughes still, uh, Darren Hughes, these lads are kind of game breakers, aren't they? Where a lot of these lads, especially the club lads, in conditions like that, and with the ball like a bar of soap and it being really difficult to get through the tackle the club lads don't want to risk getting through yeah. you're almost like waiting for one of the Hughes to come on <laughs> and you know when they get on it they're going to break that tackle yeah. and suddenly there's an offload and they're through but without them the supporting cast ain't, they aren't really able to do that whereas the talk we door had potentially a bit of pace and fellas that were able to break through without depending on the yeah. on the county because Eamon McGee wouldn't be a line breaker as such even though he played very well Cassidy was in full forward Neil McGee's way back they had more they had Carroll they had Mulligan you know these yeah. lads that are, are able to get McFadden Farries they had that pace that a lot of the different players on their team could break through a tackle yeah. whereas I thought Scottstown were just waiting for the inter-county lads to, to do something and, for and them. that was all over the pitch there's one time Kieran Hughes got the ball he was like 13 yards out and he, he does a little burst and he pops it and then the guy pops it he just waits for Kieran Hughes to come back <laughs> like, and he throws it back at him and Hughes had to go through another tackle like yeah. they were they were the horse and card for them I think so I think that was definitely it Adrian Mullen got 2-1 for Ballyhill Shamrocks yesterday and Adrian Mullen did something for his second goal that me and you would never have spotted only Niall in the office told us so he swapped hands for the goal so the ball was passed into him and he caught the ball with the hand that usually is held at the top of the hurl so yeah. it's your back hand but he let go of the hurl and held the hurl in the middle of the hurl and caught it with the other hand yeah. and then was able to throw it up and get the, the hand back on the hurl so like I mean that's a beautiful um, little bit of skill and he got 2-1 on the day yeah so subtle Analy- analyse that yeah uh, <laughs> I couldn't understand that how did he ring Niall like, what, are you, what are you talking about I saw he did a story on it like but he's a hurling man and he was raving about this thing he just reached out with his right hand and then threw it up on his left and yeah, yeah he said to do that is really like even to think about doing it is so innovative and then just yeah. to pull it off like he did it was champagne stuff at that stage it was risk free because the game was won yeah. you know that was the icing on the cake when that uh, when that went in uh, Shane Carey I think deserves a mention like we're not going down the road that if he gets sent off you're not in the, in the yeah. running like he was excellent like he was actually taking the fight and he was in on Neil McGee for a while and he was well able for the rough and tumble um, he's obviously inter-county level player but when you compare his performance Conor McCarthy's like I mean there was no comparison one wanted to be involved and for mm. me the other lad just wasn't interested in that game. Like, it's very unfair for me to say he wasn't interested because yeah. he obviously was but he wasn't putting any stamp on that game yeah no, in fairness with the red card though like in a game like that and he gets sent off in extra time and that was so madness close. and like I mean he's not that type of player I know you can, you can like, uh, obviously the excuse for somebody doing something bad on the field it's not an excuse that you're not that type of player because you become that type of player <laughs> yeah. 
But he's not involved in that kind of shit. He just lost his mind. It was a flashpoint. And he gave him two good boxes. How did he think he was going to get away with this? I don't know why he did. playing so well. Usually when you're playing so well, you don't lose your mind in situations like that. You were calm and... Like, you, you would lose your mind in situations like that where you're having a frustrating... If Conor McCarthy did that, I would be like, well, look, he hasn't been in the game. He's, he's yeah. not really annoyed. Very, very unusual for me to see a fella playing well do something like that. Yeah, no, you never know, like... You know when you sort of get a punch off someone yourself when you've popped the ball off or they've come in late on you and then when they have the ball, it's your... I don't know what happened, but it's your excuse almost to get them back then as well. Like, and the fact he went for the head, though, just made it so obvious. It was left hand and then right hand. Just the second one with the right. He might have got away with the one with the left. Yeah, like saying, look, I was trying to get shoulders. over his shoulder yeah. at the ball. And he wasn't. He was like because it was a close fist caught him well, but he could he could lie and get out of that. But the second one came in there. Yeah. He's like Jesus. So mate. I think the fact that he gets sent off at such a crucial time should rule him out of man of the match because it's sort of. For so again, we can't be promoting that kind of behaviour. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, Sean Ryan for Bally Callan. Go on, Bally Callan. <laughs> Greg Bally Callan. Greg Bally Callan. Uh, I don't know if Sean is from Greg or Bally Callan. <laughs> But uh, he was outstanding against Portlaoise. He was the difference for a lot of the game. He only he only scored four points. I thought he scored more, but there were crucial scores, and he was dancing around lads. And Portlaoise just couldn't handle him the whole game. So he was outstanding um, with four from play. So that's pretty much it. Anyone else? Uh, uh, anyone else? Do you notice? In like, I actually would think Damien McArdle would have done a great job in Order McNeilish and scored an inspirational yeah. point off the exit of his boot and I'd be like how can then again <laughs> just because the co-commentator on TG Carter picks a man of the match doesn't mean that's the yeah. man of the match I thought McArdle was very good yesterday there's a guy you're going, to, oh, you're going to definitely rule this out because I hadn't seen the game but there's a guy for the Antrim Intermediate Champions Oren Eastwood ripping it up for Nivena St Enda's from like a real unionist area Glen Gormley so very good amazing story they won the Ulster Intermediate there and the first Antrim team to ever do that as well so um, I didn't see the final though but he's absolutely ripping it up throughout the championship his semi-final performance was class but I assume he was very good in the final as well okay, can so we get him under the record what did he score in the final I don't know will he oh, you <laughs> don't know so you're just you're, you're, you're nominating him for his performance in the semi-final is yeah he was so good in the semi-final <laughs> he cleared the ball off the line with a volley in the semi-final is that how much you don't like unionists is it that this fella grew up in a unionist area you haven't seen him and you're just going to pr- nominate him now no comment <laughs> alright okay so who am I going to give this performance of the weekend to I think we will give it to um, Adrian Mullen 2-1 in a 2-1 in a provincial final and that bit of skill alone uh, you know deserves definitely a mention the goal in the first half was absolutely vital that was against the wind yeah. and a bit of skill for the second one and a point to throw on top of that as well so yeah Adrian Mullen and plus we've hopped off Guido all day so they don't <laughs> they we're not going to give him a performance of the weekend on top of everything so that's it Adrian Mullen gets performance of the weekend we'll be back on Thursday um, with another preview show um, as usual it might be Wednesday this week actually our Christmas party's on Thursday but we'll see <laughs> we'll talk to you then anyways good luck It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing asses for f***ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. 
For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.